you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew 16. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's fine. There might be one in front of you in the book rack. The page number's on the screen there. If you're new to the Bible, there's a ton of free Bible apps you can download, which are super helpful at church and throughout the week. Find Matthew chapter 16 right now. Matthew 16 finds us after Jesus feeds 4,000 people with a few loaves of bread and then gets into a boat and goes to a new region south of Tiberias called Magadlon. I said that wrong. Magadon. Matthew 16, 1 through 4 says this. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it would be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Sometimes when the word of the Lord comes into our lives, he calls us to do things that make us uncomfortable, nervous, and terrified. And maybe he calls us to leave your church and go start a ministry in Castro Valley somewhere. That's scary. Maybe he calls you to go across the street and knock on your neighbor's door and find out what their name is. That's the same kind of scary. And maybe God is showing you, hey, there's something I want you to do, and he's laid it on your heart, and when you think about it, it gets a little exciting for a while and then it gets scary because like Kathy said, you start feeling like the future's unknown and I don't know what it is and I don't know how it's going to work and I'm not sure if God is going to provide and so we push back against the Lord. We say things like, God, if this is really from you, you better make it obvious. God, if you really want me to do this, you got to push me into this because There's no way I'm doing this unless I know that you're in it. God, if I do this, it might jeopardize everything. And so you need to give me a sign from heaven or something. Just anything. Just show me that this is from you and not just a bad burrito I ate or something. (laughs) In Matthew 16, these Pharisees and Sadducees come to Jesus and they ask him for a miraculous sign to prove that he is truly who he says that he is. A lot of times we look at these Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious leaders in Jesus' day, and we say, oh, I'm nothing like those guys. And these people are legalistic. These people are religious. I'm not religious. I would never do that. If I talked to Jesus, I would never ask him for a sign. These guys are testing Jesus. But I think it's important for us to put ourselves in the shoes of the religious leaders in Jesus' day because what Jesus was advocating was a scary, scary thing. But imagine if we were having church today and someone was out in Cafe 4 healing folks, doing miracles. I'd be like, that's cool. I would love that. Okay, okay, I'd love that. And then they started telling people, hey, just so you know, 
I am God in human flesh. You're like, oh, that's a little less cool. They said, hey, you know, I just took one latte and I fed 5,000 people with it. But the more important thing that you need to know is that if you want to go to God, I'm the only guy you can talk to. Right? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't trust the religious establishment. Follow me, right? We'd be like, oh. And if that person came into our church and started making the rounds and trying to tell people those things, I'm sure that our leaders, I would hope that our leaders would go to that person and say, hey, we hear some things that are good, but also some things that are scary. You got to prove to us if you're God in the flesh, that you're really God in the flesh. And so these Pharisees and Sadducees, who were groups of people who would rarely get together, they mostly just fought against each other. They unite a front to say, let's go talk to this Jesus guy and let's make sure that he's not a crazy person. Because we hear some good things, but we hear some red flags. And so they come to Jesus to test him. And they ask him to show them a sign from heaven. If you've asked Jesus for a sign from heaven before, you know that the easiest thing for Jesus to do is to say, Sure. Wouldn't it be better if these people came to Jesus and said, hey, give us a sign from heaven because we're not sure if you're really the Messiah. And Jesus is like, okay. Right? The sky turns dark and there's lightning and the sea starts emerging. And then he's like, silence. And it dies. And he's like, okay. I'm the Messiah. See? That would be awesome. Be awesome when you're wrestling through that thing that God has called you to do. To say, God, I just want a miraculous sign. And then all of a sudden, like, your house catches on fire. You're like, whoa, not that. And then it goes out. And God says, do I have your attention now? You'd be like, yes, thank you. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> but I take comfort in seeing that the God who refuses to give us signs today was exactly the same when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. Because they say, Jesus, give us a sign. Show us that you're the deal. Show us that you're really the Messiah. Show us that this isn't just parlor tricks. Show us a sign in the heavens. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to just show you something that's going to prove it to you. That's not my intention. No. This morning, we're going to spend some time wrestling with the why behind that. Why doesn't God just give us signs? I, like when two years ago when Paul and Kathy said, I feel like God might be calling me to do something. Why didn't God just show up and knock on their door and say, you're right, go do it, right? Why does he let us wrestle? Why does he let us go through this process? Why doesn't he answer us? Right? If God is calling you to step out of a relationship today and you know it and you say, God, just make it obvious, give me a sign. Why is he so silent? Why does it seem that God is most quiet when we most need him to show up and prove that what he wants us to do is really what he wants us to do. I think we'll see that in this passage. So as we dive in this morning, let's take a moment and pray together. There's some of you out there, you already know what God is calling you to do. Right? There's a relationship God wants you to step forward in reconciliation. There's some finances God wants you to give towards a great cause. Or there's a relationship that needs to end or that needs to begin. There's a neighbor that needs a touch in their lives. There's someone who needs care. You're wrestling with something. and You know what God wants and you just want a sign and you feel like he's saying no. Let's take a moment this morning. Let's lift these burdens to the Lord and say, God, show us why you're so quiet when I'm calling out.
and then we'll dive into this text. Let's pray together. Father, this morning I come alongside anyone in here who is just feeling that tension, that struggle. Anytime a topic like this comes up, that idea comes back up again, that they know that you're calling them to, and yet they're so scared to step into it. And they've asked you for signs, they've asked you for confirmation, they've asked you to make it easy for them, and, and you haven't. And pray this morning that you would help connect some of the dots in their faith and give them the courage to do what you've called them to do, whatever it is. Pray that you would guide us. That you would open our minds to the truths in this text this morning. That you would open our hearts to receive you and see what you want from us and for us and through us and around us. We pray that we would be a community of people who trust you at your word when you call us to act and that we would see mighty things as a result as you work through us and around us and into our community. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a saying that you may have heard. Jesus knew it. Maybe you learned it in high school English class. And if you know it, you can finish the statement with me. Red sky at morning. Sailors take what? Warning. If you don't know, this is going to be really helpful for you. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Right? That's a phrase that sailors have been using for thousands of years to navigate the weather in the seas. When the sky is red in the morning, it's likely it's going to rain that day. When the sky is red at night, no worries, it'll be calm tomorrow. And Jesus brings this up as a response to this question for a miraculous sign. And I love the way that Jesus interacts with people. He says, you want a sign in the heavens? Is that what you're looking for? You, you want me to do some kind of miraculous sign that shows you that God is real? Okay, if you see a red sky in the morning, take warning. And if it's red at night, you'll be okay, right? Is that the sign you're looking for? And they're like, no, that's not the sign we're looking for. And I feel like Jesus is kind of playing with these people, and sometimes we feel like Jesus is playing with us. But I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus answers this way to these folks because they're asking him for a sign in the heavens. And Jesus says, listen, here's the real issue. And this is your real issue. If you've been asking God for a sign and you feel like he's not answering, this is your real issue. Jesus says, the problem is not that you cannot see signs. The problem is that you don't know how to interpret them. Right? It says like with weather, you see the red sky in the morning, you know it's going to rain. You know it. You can see the sign, you interpret it correctly. But when it comes to signs from heaven, signs from God, signs from above, even if I showed you something amazing, you would not know how to interpret it. The problem is not with seeing. It's with interpretation. Your eyes can't understand the signs of the times. Jesus means these, this to these religious leaders as a rebuke, but also just as an explanation that this is not how I work because if I gave you a sign, it wouldn't work. Right? Some of you maybe have asked God for a sign before. How many of you have ever asked God to show you a sign? Okay, I am also one of those people, right? And, and we know sometimes this is just like throwing darts in the dark and hoping something works. Right? You're trying to decide, oh, should I marry this girl? Right? Or should I make this business deal? Or should I step away from this company? And you're saying, I need a sign from God. What should I do? Right? And so you see a quarter on your desk. I'm going to flip this coin. Right? The scriptures say that the dice falls in the lap, but the numbers on top are from the Lord. And so the same must be true of a quarter. God, I'm going to flip this quarter in, in your name. And 
If this quarter shall fall on heads thrice time, I'm trying to use King James, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> Thank you, Clay. Then this is your will. And you're like, heads. I'm getting a message from above. Flipping it really high. Heads, two heads. God, you're speaking to me through a coin. This is probably not good, but I'm doing it. Tails. Oh, tails. What does tails mean? My two heads. I thought God was speaking. To... Does tails mean that I should not do this or that I, maybe I should still do it, but God's trying to say, stop asking for signs. I'm going to flip it again, right? You flip, flip it again. You're thinking like, I don't know if this was three heads, right? If it was three heads in a row, you'd be like, I mean, there's a 50, 20, 12% chance it's going to come out three Heads in a row. I mean, it could not be the Lord. It could just be circumstance. And the scriptures say I shouldn't test to God, and I kind of am. And I don't know, God, is this you? I need another sign, a bigger sign, God. I need more signs. He says, you don't need more signs. You don't know how to interpret signs. <laughs> I had uh, dinner with a buddy a couple weeks ago who we went to school with in Dallas, and they were in San Francisco, and he came over, and he told me when he, when he heard about Cafe Four, he's like, oh, my goodness, I have had this vision of launching a coffee shop just like that for like 15 years. I've wanted to create this space where ministry could happen with the community, and it was great coffee and community and an amazing place for people, and I felt like God had put that on my heart, and, and he confirmed it. And so I actually went, and I asked God to give me a sign. He said, I was on this trip with my wife, and I was praying through this thing. I knew God had called me to do it, but I wanted him to confirm it with a sign. And, and so I said, God, you've got to show me something, but you've got to make it obvious. And so I just would kind of, he said, I'm pulling in the dark. And I said, God, just give me a sign about a bear, a bear, like something weird. And so I prayed, God, just show me a bear, and I'm going to know this is from you. And so he goes and parks his car when he gets to his relative's house and comes around the trunk and opens the trunk, and there's this teddy bear in there. It's like, well, that could be a coincidence. My wife is bringing teddy bears to all of the nieces and nephews, and I probably knew that already. I mean, this is probably inception at some level. I need a bigger sign, right? And so he goes up to the room. He puts down his luggage, and he lays out on the bed. He's like, God, I am just, I, I, you may have given me a sign, and I'm so sorry if you just tried to. This isn't on you. This is about me. I am dense, and I need a bigger sign, God. Like, I, I'm the kind of guy, God, you know me. You created me. You know this. You need to beat me over the head with it, God. Just, and all of a sudden, he just starts getting hit in the head with all his nie nieces and nephews with teddy bears in their hands. Just hitting him in the head with these teddy bears. He's like, oh, my goodness, right? And he's like, that was my sign. I'm like, awesome. So did you start the coffee shop? He's like, no. <laughs> it's like, it just never really materialized. And it's like a couple weeks ago, I, I was driving through downtown Plano, uh, Old Town, and I just felt compelled to get out of my car and, and pray for this coffee thing that was still stirring within me. And so I found myself walking through downtown, and I stopped at the store, and, and I just felt like there's something about the store, and I just started praying. And I looked up, and this store sold this sign that said, if you're looking for a sign, this is it. So I bought it, and I put it up on my mantle in my house, and that's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> Jesus is talking to these religious leaders, and he says, listen, you want a sign 
a miraculous sign that will prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that I truly am the Messiah. So I'm not giving you one because if I gave it to you, you wouldn't know what to do with it. But this is right after Jesus fed 4,000 people with a couple loaves of bread. That's a sign. Right? This is after Jesus had healed people, like extended their arms in full view of the religious leaders. They'd seen it with their eyes. He had done miracles. He had taught with authority like no one else. There was something about him. He claimed to be the Messiah. He had shown them all that, and yet they still come to him and say, how about a sign, though? It's a good thing that we're nothing like those people. <laughs> I love the irony in this passage, not just the whole signs in the heaven, red sky at morning joke, but these people are asking Jesus to prove that he's the Messiah and say, Jesus, we've heard that you are God in the flesh. We've heard that you can do miraculous things, and we know that you're sent from God, like Nicodemus said in John 3, because no one could do the miraculous things that God is doing, unless, that you are doing, unless God was with them. I said, just, just prove to us. Give us a sign. Show us it. And this is, this is not what happened when Jesus walked the earth, but this is how I picture it. But I think it'll be helpful. I feel like Jesus is standing in front of these guys saying, let me get this straight. You want a sign from heaven that the Father is real and is coming to save you? Like, like you want the God of the universe to come down to earth and stand right in front of you and speak to you face to face? Like, are you saying that you want some miraculous sign that the heavens have opened and God himself is walking among you? You really want God to speak to you right here, like to show up and manifest his presence? Is that what you want? I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> because if God himself showed up and tried to talk to you to give you a sign, you wouldn't hear it. You couldn't see it. You couldn't interpret it. I don't think he was pointing at himself. But what Jesus is saying is, I'm not giving you a sign, not because you wouldn't see it, but because you'd be blind to it. You're not going to see it. I think for us, if you've been someone who's been wrestling through this whole sign thing, I got to speak to me, show me. Is this really from you? I just prove it, right? You make something miraculous happen. Let me see a bear or something. Let me go out on my porch and just have like an envelope that says, yes, go share the gospel with your neighbor today, right? Make it happen, God. I need to put it on you, God. He's not going to do that. And I think one of the reasons that he's not going to do that is because in those moments, you already know that God wants you to do those things, don't you? Or you think God's going to say, no, you're right. Don't share the gospel with your neighbor. That's a crazy idea. I know you want to reconcile this relationship. That's crazy talk. Please don't. No, I, yeah, I heard that idea you had about giving money to the poor. Crazy. Don't, right? And If God gave you a sign, you still wouldn't do it. He gave you the burden in your heart. You still haven't done it. You talked to some folks about it. They said, that sounds amazing. You should do it. You still haven't done it. He prayed about it, and the fire hasn't gone down. It's still there. You still haven't done it? Do you really think if God himself knocked on your door and said, that thing I've been trying to tell you, I mean it. You think you'd do it? Maybe. These guys didn't. And Jesus says, I'm not going to give you a sign because 
You've already seen enough to know who I am. You just refuse to believe it. And Jesus says, the, the type of generation that's asking for signs is a wicked, adulterous generation. Well, wicked in the sense that when God himself comes face to face with them, they don't see it. And adulterous in the sense that they're trying to live their lives the way they want to live, and then they come over and try to figure out what God wants them to do. And that's kind of what we do when we're asking God for signs and we're refusing to live. It's like we have this life over here where we're living and existing and we're making money, we're spending money, we're raising our kids, we're doing our thing, we're having fun. And every once in a while, the God of the universe breaks in and says, hey, I've got something for you. Go forgive that person. And you're like, hold on, life. And you say, what was that, God? It's like, I want you to forgive that person. You're like, oh, that's a cool idea. Let me think about it. And you go back to your life, and you're like, I'd rather do this, right? And God's like, seriously, forgive that person. You're like, hold on, life. Uh, I thought about it. I, I just don't think that's a good idea. I want you to forgive that person. Like, All right, well, think about it. Come back in. No, I'm not going to forgive him. And then you turn to God, and you say, God, honestly, if you really want me to do this, you're going to have to prove it. Like, you're you're going to have to show me a sign you're going to have to make it happen. You're going to have to bring that person to my door saying, please forgive me, and then I'll say yes. Let that be the sign. Jesus says, that type of generation of people, that's a wicked, adulterous people. Wicked because they're strong-arming and heismaning the God of the universe. And adulterous because they're living this dual life where they're trying to please themselves and live for themselves and do what they want to do and have their own worldview. And then they come over and say, oh, yes, God, I also love you and I want to serve you, right? It's like you've got this family over here, but you've got a wife you married you told no one about. And every time she calls, you get all awkward, like, uh, excuse me, i got to take this call. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll be home soon, honey. Yeah, no problem. Okay, right? It's adulterous, he says. Because you're living the life for your own pleasures. And then when God shows up, you kind of try to sneak out of life for a moment and say, okay, how little of this can I do to make you happy so I can get back to my family that I really want to be with? Scary stuff. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. And Jesus says, you're not going to get any sign except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he walks away. Now we hear that idea of the sign of the prophet Jonah. And we think, oh, that's, that's hope at the end, right? Jesus says, just like Jonah in Matthew 12 was in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And then he'll come out, he'll proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand, and then they'll see. But Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and they still didn't see. And Jesus told a parable about a man who was in hell, in torment, and he goes and he, he requests that he might escape from hell for a moment to come and warn his brothers and sisters on earth to escape that judgment. And Jesus says to that man, hey, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And the man says, no, no, they're not going to listen to Moses and prophets, but they'll listen to me if I come back from the grave and I explain to them. And Jesus says, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not listen even if a man raises from the dead. People are like, oh, that's a cool story. <laughs> and then this community of faith who had not listened to Moses and the prophets saying that a Messiah was coming, 
When Jesus said, I am he, they said, ah, whatever. He said, I'm going to rise from the dead. Then he does, and, and they say, I still don't want anything to do with this guy. The problem is that we're blind. Now, the good news for us is that we are followers of Jesus Christ, those of you who know and trust Jesus. So our eyes have been opened to spiritual things. That we are people who, our end of our story does not have to be the end of these guys' story, who stood face to face with Jesus, asked him for a sign, got nothing, and went home sad. Right? We are people that when God reveals to us what he wants from us, we can see it, we can hear it, we can do it. So the challenge for us is to be people, when God tells us to do something, who do it. When God says, hey, you just got your tax return. That crazy idea you had about how you can help this family member or help this nonprofit or help whatever it is, that's from me, not from you, right? You would never think about something like that. No offense. That's from God. And you're like, oh, that's a good idea. I don't know, right? We can be people who listen to the voice of God and respond. Or we can be people like the people in this passage who hear God's voice and say, ah, it wasn't clear enough. I really think if you're waiting for God to give you a sign before you act, you're just going to sit on your couch for the rest of your life and not do anything. Because the sign that God has given you is when he's called you to do that thing. The sign that God has given you that you're supposed to forgive your neighbor is when the Bible told you to forgive your neighbor. That was the sign. Now your job is, am I going to trust it? Or am I going to ignore it and ask God to do some parlor tricks before I'm happy? And whatever it is that God has placed on your heart, he is not trying to keep you down by calling you to that. He's trying to set you free. Because if you can become a person who trusts the Lord and follows through with what he says, who forgives, who gives, who serves, who loves, who lives in community and stewards your resources and serves the people around you with all of your might, if you become that person who's always listening to the word of God and acting, James says that person would be blessed in what he does. Right? You picture that life where God is always calling you to do things and you're always responding and you're always seeing him show up and you think, man, I want that kind of life. You know how you get that kind of life? When God tells you to do something, you do it and then he gives you something else to do. And you do it, and it comes faster and faster and faster and faster. And before long, your whole life is revolving around his purposes, and you've learned that the one who is promised is faithful. And you start becoming a person who's not trying to shh, shh, shh the voice of God in your life. And you become instead a person who says, I want more of that. You start going to your neighbors, start going to your community here at church and say, hey, what's God speaking to you? You should do it. It works for me. You should do it. And you start spurring on the faith community towards love and good deeds. And the spirit of God starts to work among us when we simply respond to the things he calls us to do. Now, sometimes we think that our life would be great if God just gave us something big and amazing to do. I think this world will be transformed if we simply respond positively to the things that God has already told us to do. Now, simple things. A thing that you know about. Do that first and see what's next and then next and then next. And instead of spending your time asking God to give you a sign from heaven, spend your time obeying the thing that God has already told you to do. Let's pray together.
And then we'll respond in worship before our benediction. Let's pray.